Welcome to It's a Good Day Podcast. We are sisters who love to chat and believe that through Jesus, even the tough seasons are good. We want to share the stories of ordinary people and have some laughs along the way. I'm Delight. I'm the older one. I'm August, and I'm the younger one. You never know what will happen on our show, but we hope you will join us as we find the good in every day. All right. Hello, everyone. We are here with Patrice Puttington. Yes, we are. Patrice, we have known ever since we were, wait, were we babies or like a little bit about? You were probably, I was probably. about two August, so okay. I don't know how mm-hmm. old that would make yeah. delight. Okay. Like I don't know what the age difference is. Something. Mm-hmm. So Patrice has been a family friend for a very long time and her, we all went to church together back in the day and I back was very close to her children and just kind of like you know I was close to her oldest one and then she went off to college and I still was I've still always been close to her but then I got close to her younger ones and so it's just fun um Patrice is a wife and a mother and a grandmother and a grandmother <laughs> that's so cool <laughs> Very and exciting. she is just a wonderful woman that loves the Lord and I'm excited to have her here with us today so thanks for coming thanks for having me I'm excited too <laughs> So, and Delight is also here. Yes, I am. <laughs> I am here. I don't, it's interesting, like, thinking about a lot of people that we interview are people that, you know, we know pretty well. And thinking about having you here, I was like, I don't actually know Patrice that well. Like, I have been, you know, we have been around each other. Acquaintances. A lot of mm-hmm. times, you know, in our lives. And mm-hmm. I've been to your home lots of different times for different things. Um, and you have affected my life you have prayed for me at times and there was a specific time right before just a couple months before Harrison was born that you prayed for me specifically I was at your church visiting and you prayed for me and I feel like it that was like a pivotal a pivotal moment Mm -hmm. and then you randomly messaged me one morning a couple months later and you didn't know it but that day was a day that we got a call for a baby that we didn't end up being placed with and Mm -hmm. ended up a really hard, uh, like a kind of a hard thing, but you, the Lord had put me on your heart and you wrote to me that exact day Mm -hmm. and it was just an I love you for the Lord. So Mm -hmm. I don't know you that well, but I do know that you're a woman of God and I, I see you being that and I appreciate you, even though I don't know you that well. Thank you. So, That's so encouraging. You go. <laughs> it really is, because honestly, I don't even really remember. Of course. That that happened, which is fine, mm-hmm. but it's yeah. encouraging to know that you have an effect and yeah. when you're obedient to what the Lord puts on your heart. Yeah, I think and when we when that's our goal, when we want to be obedient and when we're trying to find those like to follow those opportunities, like I think it's nice at times to to hear like, oh, it was. I, I listened and I obeyed and mm-hmm. it's not about me that mm-hmm. I did that. It's about the Lord, but right. it's encouraging to know like, okay, I was obedient and good. Yes. I, I want to keep mm-hmm. doing that. So it's cool. One area that. I'm trying to be, to be obedient on, and I feel that I am, is that when the Lord puts it on my heart to pray for somebody, and I don't mean just pray for them, I mean pray mm-hmm. with them and that takes courage to do yeah. at times mm-hmm. and um there's a lot of fruit that the lord can work through that um it's not anything in my own 
doing. I know that it's it's all in the Lord doing, but just to be willing to put yourself out there. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just be like, totally. oh, what are they going to think of me for oh, yeah. this kind of a thing? But sure. Yeah. Totally. So, okay. Um, so would you just tell us about yourself, what you do, about your family, just a little... Just a little bit about yourself. Where do you want me to start? What I <laughs> used to do, what I'm doing now. I don't anything I don't you want. Any to of it that anything comes to your mind. Oh, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's it's well. I'll just start off by saying um, I'm 56 years old, and I can't hardly believe that I'm 56 oh years goodness. old because you I don't have look like it children either. that act way more mature than I do, <laughs> and that's the truth. Um, <laughs> Steve and I have been married for it was 32 years in December. Uh-huh. Um, we've, I've been a mom for over 29 years. Becca will be 30 in August, wow. which I find that hard to believe. So mm-hmm. during that time of, um, of having children at home, that was, I was actually a stay at home mom for 29 years in one day. And I say one day because Heather, who's the youngest graduated from high school last year and she left to move in with Megan the day after Becca's 29th birthday wow. so I say that I'm I August was a stay 5th at, I was just yep there you go <laughs> plug. but I was a stay-at-home mom for 29 years in one day oh my so goodness. um wow that's not to say you know I didn't do other jobs paying jobs mm-hmm. you know I, I did a little bit there and a little bit there but my mm-hmm. main focus was to be at was to be at home with my kids and I felt very um very blessed and mm-hmm. um Somebody asked me after Heather left, now that she's gone, um, what's my dream job? What would, what would I do? What did I want to do? What was my dream job? And I remember I just looked at them, and I, I couldn't answer. I didn't have any words. I was couldn't come up with anything. And then I realized later on that afternoon that I had already had what I thought was my dream job, mm. or I felt my dream job was, was to be able to be home with my kids. Yeah, and, such a privilege. And definitely. And I mean, it wasn't it wasn't all glorious or anything sure. like that. You all know moms <laughs> with kids. That there, were, there were hard days. I remember one day in particular after Heather was born, um, so Becca would have been 10, so I had five kids, 10 and under, and... Um, I just felt like I literally was going crazy. Like I mm-hmm. remember feeling like, oh my gosh, I think that I need to drive myself someplace to get some help. So I remember that afternoon I was walking with a friend and I said to her, I go, I think I'm going to have to drive myself to Governor. She goes, what are you going to do in Governor? Go shopping? I go, no, you know, that place where you go when you need help because you're not functioning. <laughs> like mentally or whatever, right? right? <laughs> and she goes, do you mean Ogdensburg? And I said, do you see how bad I am? <laughs> I don't even know where I'm supposed to take myself. <laughs> so, gonna... I mean, but those days of that with, you know, all of the kids and the chaos and the meals and the laundry and the disciplining <laughs> and they're gone. Yeah. I blinked and they're over oh and they're gosh. gone. Yeah. And now well, I'm like, it's crazy. I just don't know what happened, but they were the best years of my life. But I know I've got great years ahead too, because in every sure. season there's something good that the Lord has for us. So yes. Yeah. So my, my new thing or my current, 
thing is I um, took a phlebotomy class through JCC during COVID okay. and got my certification. And I have been working at the Lava Hospital at the lab. That's so cool. Drawing blood. And I mean, that is totally just a wild thing in itself. Yeah, to that's go great. go from whatever to doing that. And my first full day of work at the hospital was when COVID really exploded in Lewis County. And okay. so, you know, just all of that, it was, it was a, it was a wild ride for a while, but yeah, it's been, um, and are I've you, en- a lot. are you enjoying it? You know, I am now at first, it was very difficult for me just because of all the things that I was learning. Yeah. Like, so many things coming at me. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's a lot different to draw somebody's blood than it is to scoop ice cream at Wishies, which I've done as mm-hmm. a job too, because, mm-hmm. you know, really in the grand scheme of life, the size of your ice cream cone is nothing compared <laughs> to how much blood how you need to take blood, out or, or how many you, times you stick someone. <laughs> that's it. How many times you stick someone. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, that was really, that was really, um, that's been different for me. Sure. Okay. And is that like, would have you okay like if I was if we're having a conversation about that kind of thing like I'm like oh my word I am not a medical person at all in any Mm -hmm. whatever like it doesn't really it doesn't interest me I feel I don't think I could do it like whatever and it sounds so cool to me yeah yeah (laughs) okay Uh uh-huh sorry I mean it sounds cool to like wear a white coat and be like oh let me tell you what you have to do but you know the whole actual hands-on I don't think that I would I appreciate all those people though a lot I have been around hospitals more than I would like to say and I really not more than I like yeah, to say but yeah. you know more than I would have liked to but I do appreciate them but are would have you always been interested in that in some way or is it just kind of random that you well, are doing it I am a frequent blood donor. Like, I do donate blood. Okay. That's something that I'm passionate about. I think yep. that if anybody is an eligible blood donor, they really should donate blood. Um, so one day when I was at a blood drive, the woman that was drawing my blood was a teacher, but she had moved here from another state. And I was confused how was she a teacher still and she was you know working at the blood drive Mm. and she said no I'm not a teacher anymore this is what I do for my job and I said well how in the world did you get to be able to do that and she told me that she had taken a phlebotomy class Mm. at JCC and I thought oh my gosh I want to do that I think I could do that that's so cool Um, so that was how it initially got the the idea or that I thought oh you know I think I think that I could do that and it stemmed from me actually just being passionate about donating blood. Okay. That's and really I thought, cool. you know, I think I, I would like to do that. I would like to work for, you know, Red Cross and do that. So that's why I initially mm-hmm. took took the position. But um, you know, the Lord had so other the Lord had other things in mind and um it's it's interesting when you oh, as a Christian, if you're in a situation or wherever you are, you know, nothing happens randomly, Mm -hmm. right? You know, we know that everything has a plan and a purpose and you wonder how in the world did I end up here? But, um, I, I believe that the Lord has a purpose in this season that I've been at the hospital where I have. And, um, I've had opportunity to pray with people 
Mm. You know, when I'm Mm. in the emergency room or even when they come into the lab, if I have that opportunity, I always ask people. Now, I don't ask everyone, but if I feel led to pray with them, I will ask them their permission. And um, I've only had one person tell me no. Mm. But um, uh, just what has happened, what I've seen happen as a result of that and some individual lives has been pretty cool. So, mm. yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. I don't know. It's the Lord. You know that, right, ladies? Yeah. It's not, I don't, it's not anything. Right. It's not right. anything that I've done, but um, I don't want to waste my life. Yeah. And I know there are days when I have wasted my life. Sure. As we all have. I'm sure we can all identify <laughs> with that. But God is able to redeem days he's he's able to redeem time i don't know how he can do it he can restore years the locusts have eaten you know that verse in joel Mm -hmm. he can do that Mm -hmm. um and when we're foolish with our time somehow if we come to him with a repentant heart he he redeems it i just don't know how he does it but i just know that he does yeah (laughs) yeah and it's not for us to understand the how or the why but to just trust that he does so um yeah, I think it's interesting just like it's one of those things that we can't get our human mind around. Correct. But the fact right. that like the fact that he doesn't live in time like and I think that that thinking about that sometimes is like it brings freedom to me. Correct. Yeah. When I look at just like you're saying, like if I feel like I wasted a day, say or whatever, like or I'm like, oh, my goodness, like I was. I just wasted an hour like scrolling through Instagram, which Mm -hmm. I don't think is always, it's fine, but I think that there's balance and I think it should be, I need to be paying attention to what I'm putting my time into, you know? And, but I think that there's times when I remember like, Oh, but God isn't like, he's not confined by that. So even like you're saying, maybe I wasted a season or I had the potential to waste a season. But when I, when we do come to the Lord, like he, he's like, it's okay. I got yeah. it. You know, I'll, I'll he's make God, this work double. Us. Right. <laughs> not us. <laughs> exactly. So that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So will you tell us just a little bit about your life? Maybe, maybe kind of like how have you always been a believer? How did you come to know the Lord? Mm-hmm. Maybe that yeah. story. So when I was growing up, I think I was about 13, and my mother got saved. Hmm. My mom, I grew up Episcopalian, went to the Episcopal Church. And um, the gospel is not presented typically in an Episcopal service as a salvation message. Hmm. The New Testament is read, but it's not usually presented that you, Jesus when Jesus is your Lord and Savior, then you have that personal relationship. It's it's like a, almost like a distant kind of a relationship. And so when I was about 13, like I said, my mom got saved going to a charismatic Catholic service on Wednesday nights. So it would be like a, yeah, a Wednesday night group. And so she got saved going there. And wow. I used to go with her to those, to those meetings. Mm-hmm. And I remember as a young child being there and I would come home after being at those meetings with her and every time I was I'd get home I would ask the Lord into my heart again 
Because, like, I just, I don't know, maybe I felt like I wasn't sure it ever, it really happened or whatever. Yes. So, so then probably when I was about 15, I think that my dad was saved after okay. that. So from that point on, um, you know, we were, we were a family that was um, with two parents that were saved. And um, both my parents were able to, after... I want to say 20, 25 years, both of them stopped smoking. They both mm. smoked two, two packs plus a day. Wow. So, um, yeah. So that was my upbringing. When I was in college, that was when I really, going into my senior year in college was when I really started um, making my relationship with the Lord more personal. And that came about because... Steve, my husband, we had started dating that summer before my senior year in college. And I remember one day he said to me, he goes, um, you know, do you have a relationship with the Lord? Because, you know, if you don't, then I just, we really can't just keep dating because, you know, of the Lord doesn't want me mm-hmm. to be unequally yoked. And I was like, oh, yeah, 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 you know, yeah, I know, I know the Lord, but I wasn't really, I was not mm. walking with the Lord then, but I was challenged by that to mm. start, yeah, yeah. To really start, you know, seeking the Lord more, more. And then um, we we were married in December of '88, and then we moved here. That's when we moved here a uh, couple, a year and a half later to this area. Okay. And, and where did you live before that? We lived in Binghamton. Okay. Yep. Um, and uh, when we moved here, we started attending a church that we were part of, and we were involved with the youth. And we went to a uh, like a weekend conference in Syracuse, and there was a man speaking there who was um, he was from a communist country. I can't remember hmm. what country he was from, but he gave his testimony about how he lived for the Lord regardless of how he was being treated and his family of how they were under extreme persecution Hmm. and I just remember how that that struck me you know I mean I was like this guy is really living for the Lord I am I'm not living for Jesus at all and I remember that night that I really recommitted my life to Christ um let me see Becca was a baby when that happened so I would have been about 27 probably when that happened so I just really remember that his his um, hunger and his willingness to live for the Lord, regardless of what it meant, how it reflected on him, or how it what it meant to him. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think I remember you know him telling stories of like his his family really coming under severe persecution for it in himself too. Sure. Um, yeah. So that was a huge turning point. And then we moved to a house in Beaver Falls, and that we moved next door to Glendon and Maribel Woodrick then. <laughs> and um, over that time, you know, Maribel and I got to know each other, and she invited me to attend ladies' group with her. And then when I started attending ladies' group, group with her, then I really, really knew what it meant to... Um, be on fire for the Lord, to be mm. hungry for the Lord, mm-hmm. to really feel 
and know the power of his love and his grace and his mercy. And the timing of all of that, you know, with it just having, maybe we had two kids by then. I think Paul was just born by then. The timing of all of that was, and the fellowship of that was, the Lord knew what was coming in our lives and that I was going to need that kind of support mm. um, from a fellowship. Yeah. You know, ladies, you just can't get through life without other people. Right. Yeah. And it's true. I don't know how non-believers get through life without the Lord, but I don't know how believers get through circumstances without other believers right. coming alongside them and lifting them up and encouraging them. Yeah. I mean, I know that you can. We all know that, that God is enough. Yes. Yeah. Jesus is enough. But he has his body of believers around us to, mm-hmm. to be that. Yeah. And yeah. I think that there's times that, I mean, the devil uses things and tries to, he's a liar, we know, right? Mm-hmm. And tries to convince us places in our lives that are not okay or that kind of thing. But I think that that's one of the things that he tries to do is isolate us. Mm -hmm. And I think also, even as believers, he tries to say to us, like, you shouldn't need other people other people you shouldn't you know and right. i'm just like that is such a lie like or if god set really, it up that way <laughs> right or if they really know or knew what i was going through what i what i'm struggling with yeah. and they're not going to want to be friends with me anymore right. there there's no way that what i have going on in my own heart i could tell somebody else because right. there's there, there's no way that they could possibly struggle with the same thing right that i'm struggling right. with and yet the it's next person is struggling too whether it's the same thing or something else right you know it's part of part of the human walk and Mm -hmm. we can we can lean on each other and yes it's it's, god set it up that way he set us up for community and fellowship fellowship i think it's important to recognize that and be willing even to say like hey i need i need you i need something you know yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so what, yeah, will you share, at, you alluded to the fact of needing people right. then, where, so, what was that? Well, we, when we started, um, we started attending Rama. Yep. it was called Rama back in the day, as mm-hmm. we've said, back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> but when we started attending Rama, Becca, my oldest was, I want to say she was a little over two years old, and Paul was three months old, I believe, when we when we started attending. And um, shortly after we were there, I found that I was pregnant um, with our third child. And eighteen weeks into that pregnancy, discovered that the the baby had passed away wow. in utero, and that um, I needed to labor and deliver, you know, to have to have that baby. And um, the support and the, um, just the gathering around of our, our um, church body, I had never experienced anything mm. like that before. I was blown away by people were, you know, I was at the hospital and people were outside of our door, outside of, you know, praying for us mm. and just that whole thing. I just had never experienced um, physically the love of Jesus or the hands and feet of Jesus through other people. I had never experienced that. And I really believe that the Lord had 
put us there um, because, of course, he knew what was coming, and he provided through other people the support and the fellowship mm-hmm. and the encouragement and the meals and just mm-hmm. all of that. And just the um, to be surrounded by that instead of um, running away from the Lord, it made me... Um, dig deeper into the Lord. I wanted to be, I mean, we were devastated, absolutely devastated. I had just never thought that anything like that would happen. You can't be prepared for that. Um, But in the same time, I clearly remember feeling that um, he works all things together for our good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. According to his plan. When, even when we're suffering, he works it all together for his good, and that wasn't that wasn't our first miscarriage. We actually had two more after that. Let me see. Um, Corey, that was our first baby, was in March of '95, and then I had another miscarriage in December of '95, and then after that, we had Megan. And then when Megan was almost a year old, we had another miscarriage, at, all mm-hmm. of them at 18 weeks. All of them at 18 mm-hmm. weeks? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So, um, but just the things, though, that the, the things that the Lord showed me, his faithfulness, and um, I really did hunger for him. I was desperate, very desperate for the Lord and suffering and things like that. Being desperate for the Lord is a good place to be. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. You know, I wish I was desperate for the Lord like that all the time when things are going well. (laughs) But sometimes it takes it takes that too to be to be desperate for Mm -hmm. him. But Mm -hmm. his word his word became alive to me um, even more in those times than it really ever had. I was able to um, grab a hold of promises that he had for me, Hmm. you know, at different times. And he spoke to me, um, I feel he spoke to me prophetically a few times during that. One one in particular was, um, I'm trying to remember, I think it was after my second miscarriage, um, I had taken a nap and I had woken up and I was listening to the Mars Hill Network. Mm-hmm. And the pastor, whoever was sharing, was sharing about how um, the verse, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give mm-hmm. you the desires of your heart. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was sitting there and I'm going, but I didn't get the desire of my heart. And I felt like I was delighting in you. I don't, mm-hmm. I just don't, it doesn't make sense. And it was like, as quick as I thought that thought, mm-hmm. the, the, pastor went on to say that part of delighting ourselves in the Lord is walking in his commandments, walking in what his word says. And he referred to 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, that rejoice always, pray continuously. Mm-hmm. And in all circumstances, give thanks. Mm. Yeah. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> I have not given thanks to you, Lord. Mm. So I, I remember it was just me, Beck and Paul were 
over at Maribel's. She had taken them so I could get a nap. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was sitting there at the kitchen table and I just thought, okay, Lord, I choose to thank you right now, regardless of what my circumstances are. I thank you. I thank you for this baby. I thank you that I know he's in heaven with you. Mm -hmm. You know, just began to thank the Lord and not fully comprehending what that means sure. out of obedience. Wow. Out of obedience to do that, grace is released, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it was pretty cool. So I had a dream that night after mm. I experienced that. I had a dream that night that I gave birth to a, a girl. Mm. And I remember I woke Steve up and I said, I just had the coolest dream that I gave birth to a little girl. And uh, you told this was I'm sorry. This was after your second. That was or? after my second miscarriage. Okay, yes. That was the night after I had that conversation okay. with the Lord. Okay. I'm yep. going to choose to thank you, even though I don't really know yes. why. But you tell me that I'm. Your word says that right. I'm to do that, and mm -hmm. I want I want to be obedient mm -hmm. to what you say. So I dreamt that night. I mean, it was like very vivid that I gave birth to a baby, and it was a girl. And Steve said to me, "You have to name the baby Lena." And I'm like, Lena. In the in the dream. And the no, when I when I woke him oh. up. Oh. Okay. No, no, wait a minute. In the dream, correct. In the dream, he okay. told me I have to you're right. In the dream he said, no, I didn't know I just the asked baby yeah. Lena. No, I'm glad that you <laughs> But then I woke him up after the dream and I said, I just had the coolest dream. I dreamt that I gave birth to a girl and you said I had to name the baby Lena and we just laughed because we thought that that was kind of funny. That's <laughs> not a common name. Lena. You know, right, Lena. Random. So mm -hmm. I remembered the next day about this dream. And um, you have you ladies heard of the book? It's called What's in a Name? It tells you the meanings of names. Yes. Okay. And scriptural so. references so. for them. Yeah, and I got thinking, familiar. I go, I wonder what the name of, I wonder what the name Lena means. And it, I can't remember what the name it what the name Lena means, but I remember that the scripture reference for it was um, Psalms eighteen twenty eight, and it's the the scripture says, "And the Lord my God shall enlighten me in my times of darkness." Hmm. Wow! And I thought, oh my gosh, that was wow. so cool. That is amazing. <laughs> Such a promise, yeah, that He's enlightening me in my times of darkness, and I know that that was His faithfulness and his goodness towards me. And I felt such a joy that day that it's that, you know, that unspeakable joy mm -hmm. that didn't, it wasn't dependent on anything but just my relationship with the Lord. And he filled me with his joy over that time. Um, yeah, because of just taking a scripture mm -hmm. and being obedient with it, even when yeah. I felt like, I mean, I really didn't feel thankful at all. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right, Honestly. it was obedience. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, so, but. It's awesome. He, he showed himself, yeah. proved himself to be faithful time and time again. It's so, amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. Just that he does. That's what he does. And it's so, <laughs> so cool. And I just, I love the, just that thought of obedience. Because I think there is such there's such a a return in yeah. that of if we are willing to be obedient yeah. like it, it does come it does come back it does benefit us you know like he always is working for our good yeah he is so we had i had another 
situation kind of long to do with the birth of a child, but this would be Emma, which she was my, so there was, by that time, Paul, Becca, excuse me, Becca, then Paul, (laughs) had two miscarriages, had Megan, had another miscarriage. Basically, I was like, that's it. I'm, I just don't think I can do this anymore, you know, just emotionally, but Mm -hmm. the desire to have children just was always there, Mm. that kind of a thing. And, um, I remember that I went to a conference in Syracuse called Embracing Motherhood that, um, um, above Ruby's Nancy Mm -hmm. Campbell. Yep. She was speaking at. Okay. And I just thought that that was just amazing that. I had this opportunity to go to that, and I, um, during this conference, I had an opportunity to speak with her, and I told her about, you know, my um, my experiences, and mm-hmm. I said, I asked her, I said, do you feel that it's, do you feel that it's wrong to prevent birth because of what, you know, what have I, I've experienced, and she said, she said to me, she goes, has anybody ever laid hands on your womb and prayed for you? And I said, well, I've had a lot of people pray for me, but I've never actually had somebody, you know, lay their hands on mm. my womb and pray mm-hmm. for me. And she did that. And I went home and shared with Steve what had happened and told him, you know, I said, I think that I'm ready to, you know, to give this another go. And, um, 10 months after that I had Emma (laughs) so it was pretty much you know right away but her pregnancy was emotionally her pregnancy was very difficult Mm. for me um I really again the Lord showed me taught me revealed to me what it meant to live in the scripture to think on the things that you know are true Mm. especially Mm -hmm. the things that you know are true Um, quite often in that time, something would happen and I would think, oh, this is just like the other pregnancies. Mm -hmm. And so I would think, or I would know something that was part truth. And then I would let the enemy attach a lie to it. And then I would believe that the whole thing was true. So like Mm -hmm. something I would feel a certain way or have a certain memory and think, oh, I'm going to miscarry again just that kind of a thing mm-hmm. because some of it, what I was experiencing felt the same. And the truth was that I did have miscarriages. Yeah. And then so, you know, the enemy would tell me a lie and I would believe it. Mm-hmm. And then so I remember just really pressing in and learning and thinking, asking myself this question, do I know the whole thing to be true? And I said, then if I don't, well, then I'm not to think on it. And it's very difficult <laughs> to not go down that road. Yeah. But the right. Lord, you know, revealed that to me, well, um, what that looked like. Yeah, that's such an interesting tool. Like, do I know that all to be true? Like, I don't know if I've heard that put that way before. Like, as a way to, as a way to kind of see, is it? where is this coming from? Right. You know, and to be able to kind of blame it on the enemy, like, Hey, actually, mm-hmm. no, right. That's not, <laughs> that's not true, you know? Right. And yeah, that's interesting. That's really cool. I mm-hmm. think of it like baiting a hook, mm-hmm. you know, like you could have a, the hook could be baited with part truth, but then 
the enemy throws his lie in there and you right. still swallow the hook. So then you take it all. You yeah. take it all. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's good. So, wow. Okay. And then you had one more after that? I did. Oh, I yes. had right? Heather after that. Wow. So, but yeah, so I mean, after, at one point when I thought we were going to stop at three and then I had, you know, Emma and Heather and I couldn't right. imagine yeah. life without. But, but um, I think that with Emma, she was the, the pregnancy that, came to fruition after Nancy prayed for me that that I learned so much in that whole um that whole birth but one thing that was um another thing the Lord really taught me with that was about um obedience again but willing to be obedient to my husband when we don't agree Mm. (laughs) and that is extremely difficult for me always (laughs) I don't really I really hate that word obedience I mean I know that it's true and that it needs to be but I really I really hate it (laughs) like obedience to my husband I I understand tell me more because like (laughs) I yeah what does that look like to you or what did you have an example you're gonna well I do have an example that with that is um so with with the miscarriages and then having pregnancies following that, the medical advice was that when you're at 40 weeks, you're going to be induced and you're going to have a baby. You know, you're going to be induced, which is what happened with Megan. I was induced and had her. And then so, you know, here I'm expecting Emma, and I'm just like this. I want this to be just all natural, and the Lord has He's given me this, and mm-hmm. he's going to grant the desires of my heart, and he knows the desire of my heart is that I'm going to go into labor on my own, and this is how it's going to be, and it's my body, and I'm the one going through this. And <laughs> I remember this story. That, just <laughs> getting all, you know, like kind of really super indignant or something. Well, yeah. whatever, just <laughs> yeah. like, you know, and then so, and again, the doctor's advice was you get induced at 40 weeks because you have a healthy baby. Why wait any longer? Get induced at 40 weeks. So Steve and I had this constant go around about going to mm-hmm. be induced. I'm like, I don't want to be induced. Just this whole thing. So um, we get, I remember I was having a phone conversation with your grandmother, Norma, mm-hmm. And I was crying. I was like, oh, woe is me. I said, Steve wants me to be induced, but I don't think I should be induced. You know, I am just, I just know, you know, that that's not what I need to do. And your grandmother says to me, well, don't you think that the Lord's given Steve wisdom in this area? And I go, absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) He has no idea what he's talking about. And that is exactly how I responded to that question. Mm Mm-hmm. I said, absolutely not. He has no wisdom in this because he's not the one going through it. So that was probably about three weeks before I was 40 weeks with Emma. And then I was had a doctor's appointment coming up. And Steve was like, I'm going with you to the doctor's appointment. And I'm like, no, you're not going with me. He had <laughs> never, ever gone to a doctor's appointment oh, with me before. Oh, my word. And I mean, I know these days it's different. You know, the guy's quite often will go but back then he just never went with me right and I'm like the only reason why you want to come with me is because you want to make sure that I'm you know what I mean he goes no I'm coming with you so of course we had ladies group that morning mm-hmm. and I'm at ladies group 
crying. <laughs> oh, Steve's making, you know, come to the doctors and he's going to make me be induced and I don't want to be induced and, you know, just the whole thing. And it, there was a time of prayer and um, uh, um, Shirley, mm-hmm. Tisha's mom, mm-hmm. Moore, Shirley Moore, had a word for me. And she said, Patrice, she said, you, you and Steve and the doctor, you're, you all are, you're like lighthouses, she said. And in order for this ship, for the ship to safely, to, to pull into harbor, all three of the lighthouses need to be lined up. Hmm. She said, and this is you and Steve and the doctor, so you all need to be lined up. And I'm like, you know, just crying still, whatever. Mm-hmm. So get to the doctors, <laughs> and long story short, I'm going to be induced the next day. I'm still just, like, really struggling. Like, I felt like it was a hope deferred, make the heart sick. And then I realized um, why later on that day, or maybe even the next morning, right before we went in to be induced, why I was really struggling with it is because I was going to Lowville Hospital to be induced, and my last two, three experiences at Lowville Hospital of being induced were all babies that I did not bring Mm. home. And I didn't even realize that that was really, that that was part of it was in there. So, you know, off we go to the hospital. But by that point, um, I had made a decision in my heart that I was going to be obedient. Mm. Um, Not just say the words, I'll do what you want me to do, but actually in my heart, be obedient to what Steve was saying. Mm. And Mm -hmm. out of that, the fear was gone. Like I wasn't having that dread of of going. Does that make sense? Yeah. What what I'm sharing. Right. Because I, you know, like you can, you can say, yeah, fine. I'll do what you want want me to do. Like, but yeah, to really, to really like almost believe it in your own heart that you're that you're doing what he's asking yeah, with a good attitude. Right, 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 <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. And so off we went to the hospital. And um, there's so much to the story. I won't tell you everything because I don't oh, even think I could remember so all the details. But <laughs> the, the, the long story short of it, or short story long of it, however the term <laughs> goes, is that I was induced and I was in labor for quite a while and nothing was happening at all nothing like maybe I was just two centimeters but the baby was just really high up there and I remember I said to my doctor how many weeks at that point were I you? was 40 you weeks. were about 40 okay um and but remember that I wanted to go into labor on my own right, that right. was my desire yes. yes and so I wasn't really showing much you know physically that that I was at that point right. of of doing that right because the baby was still really high up and um, all of that. So I remember the doctor came in and he came in and I said, why can't you just break my water? If you just break my water, then everything will speed up and I'll just have this baby. And he's like, no, we're not going to do that either. This baby's still way too high up. So he gave me something to help me sleep. I think I remember that. And then I just remember that uh, my whole body convulsed as my water broke. And I went from two centimeters to actually holding Emma like 20 minutes later. Like that's how fast the whole Whoa. the whole process happened. After your nap. I had, yeah. Like I woke up with 
this, you know, my water breaking. And I just started having major contractions. And I literally, I hope it's okay that I share this. I literally felt her just like slide down the birth canal. Oh, my goodness. And there she was. And I remember the doctor. (laughs) She's been sliding ever since. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And I remember like after she was born, the doctor just kept going, hmm, hmm. And I'm like, what, what do you, why do you keep saying, hmm? (laughs) And he said, well, your baby's um, umbilical cord was in a true knot. And I've never delivered a live baby whose umbilical cord was in a true knot. And I said to him, "Um, if I had waited and gone into labor on my own, would she have lived? And he said, no, she would not have lived. Hmm. Right. Because Hmm. that would have meant that she would have engaged in, yeah, the um, birth canal, right? Wow. I think that's the right word. And that would have caused her umbilical cord to mm. tighten, and she would not have lived. And I think <laughs> of the graciousness of God to just repeatedly not give up on me. Yeah. Like he, <laughs> he didn't, like he didn't say, I'm just going to give you over to yourself. Right. He just kept putting people right in my path to speak truth yeah. and to speak the hard word to me. Mm. I didn't want to listen to that hard word. I wanted to just be all, you know, do it on my own like mm. I really thought it should be. Right. Yes. <laughs> and then out of that, um, I've often thought that my own um, pride could have mm. cost me the life right. of one of my children. Yeah. And um, that doesn't mean I'm always obedient to Steve now, mm-hmm. but it just, it what a, what a lesson of life of mm-hmm. being, um, how important it is to be unified. Right. With yeah. your, with, in those kinds of things. I mean, there's mm-hmm. areas where you don't have to be unified. You can agree to disagree. Totally. But then there's other areas where, you have to fall under the authority of your husband and and do it willfully doing it, not understanding all the time, you right. know, why, why it would yeah. be, but the willingness to do it. And, um, yeah, God had the last say. <laughs> <laughs> That's Thankfully. amazing. Yeah. Thankfully. That's so, so cool. I love I love hearing birth stories. Well, actually, I've heard that before. Like once you started saying about something to do with being obedient to Steve, then I was like, oh, there was some really cool story yeah. that had to do with this. That's so cool. Yeah, um, that's amazing. I love it, and I just think, I just yeah, I'm I'm crying over here. So you know, we it's a good one. You know, yeah. when when you get there. But I just I just love it's encouraging to me to think like about, um, just about obedience and think like okay how god like he knows he knows we don't have to like we don't have to rely on our own understanding like he knows and sometimes that's sometimes that comes in the form of honoring what our husband is saying Mm -hmm. and like wow yeah i want to be willing to do that (laughs) so it's really cool well we are already almost at the end of the episode and we 
have another whole subject we'd love to talk with you about. So if you would join us for another episode, we would be really honored. Okay. <laughs> um, but first too. we have to ask, what's good about today? What's good about today? I think what's good about today is that I was reminded afresh and anew about obedience mm. and falling under authority yeah. to my husband because I need to have that reminder quite often. <laughs> so That's and good. being encouraged to share a story, it reminded me again. And that is good. <laughs> yes. I love it. That's wonderful. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for for sharing, for your vulnerability and being willing to be used of the Lord, because I know that's what he's doing. Mm, that's good. Thank mm-hmm. you for having me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Have a good day. Have a good day. Have a good day.